Venivores, a podcast about hunting for people who don't hunt, or haven't hunted, or haven't hunted much, want to learn, or want to learn. Feel that tingling in the back of my neck. You have to be there. You have to be there. You, you don't know it at the time, yeah. you know, but it sticks with you all your life. And you you don't experience those things unless you are a hunter. So, uh, welcome back to the new Venivores podcast uh, number five we're up to now. A podcast about hunting for people who don't hunt or who haven't hunted much or who are interested in hunting. That is about fishing, too. Uh, coming at you from America's breadbasket, the heartland, somewhere in a beautiful, freshly painted, I understand, study that is quite homey indeed in the state of North Dakota. My name is Tony Martinson. This is Adam Miller. Rusco Dangerous Danger. Our esteemed engineer. And so we have uh, covered a few topics coming up till now. Uh, why hunt some higher level and deeper reasons for that. Um, what to do if you want to start hunting and some places to get started on that. And uh, we're coming at you from a couple of perspectives here. The seasoned hunter, my friend Miller here, who's been around and about at least in the area, with a lot more experience than the rest of us under, in this room at least, under his belt. Myself, uh, uh, early 30s guy who grew up around hunting and participating in hunting and fishing a little bit, but coming back and getting involved as a grown adult. And Ross here, who's in sort of the same boat as me on this. And uh, we've talked about some themes and ideas around what to do and how to get started, but uh, I think we want to move to specifics on this particular one, and one that I find uh, something that was unexpected to me and, and frankly, fairly weird is ice fishing. Um, so we're going to dive into that one today. And I grew up ice fishing. Well, not much. I actually didn't grow up ice fishing, but when I was growing up, we'd go up to Lake Sakakawea, and that's how you pronounce it. Uh, here in North Dakota, which is the dam above the Garrison Dam on the Missouri River. And it, it, they call it a lake, but it's a wide spot in the river for a long time. And a reservoir. Yeah, it's a reservoir. And we'd... Uh, I believe it's the fifth largest man-made reservoir in the world. Really? Yeah. I, you'll have to fact check me on that. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, we're just going to roll with that. It's the fifth largest. I'm okay with hearing you say that, not verifying it all, and then retelling that to everybody I know. But as far as the river, it's uh, it really is a, just a wider spot in the river that stretches on for a long time, to be honest. But that freezes over like a lot of things, and we'd go ice fishing up there, I think, if I remember right. Oh, yeah. I was five, so I could be remembering this wrong. But that was cut a hole in the ice and turn over a five-gallon pail and drop a line and see what happens. And there's turns out a lot more to this. <laughs> than that ever was. So uh, I moved to Minnesota and recently got involved in ice fishing in the last three years because I was lucky enough to have my in-laws buy a beautiful lake home on a place which is as much access as I want to fishing. It's one particular place, but you get to get be very good at one place. Um, and 
one of the first times I went ice fishing past sitting on a five-gallon bucket in first grade was with actually you, Miller, and my eyes were wide open. But one thing I didn't realize when I was a kid is how I find it to be just weird, man. The whole experience <laughs> is intensely weird to me. Like, here's this lake. How do you lake. think the fish feel? Well, right. <laughs> so here's this lake. It freezes over. And I don't know why it's weird, but the whole culture surrounding a frozen body of water that you just go cut a hole in. And, like, it seems counterintuitive to me at all that, like, if I was just... I guess I wouldn't get very far evolutionarily because if I had never thought of it before and I fished in a lake in the summer and it froze over in the winter, I'd be like, well, guess I'm done fishing till the summer. <laughs> but it goes to show that I don't really know much what, I would not know much about what to do for that. So this whole culture of like cutting holes in the ice and fishing still is strange to me. <laughs> <laughs> To put it simply. Right. <laughs> yeah. So when I was a kid, actually, my earliest memory of ice fishing is being out on uh, on Sakakawea. And we were with my dad and my older brother. And we just cut that hole. And we popped a few holes, you know, as you do. I have come to learn. And I was walking from one hole to another. And I actually stepped in one of the holes and went up to my hip as a six or five, six, seven-year-old kid, like, in this hole. And, of course, had it come apart and was just, Dad, 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 like, freaking out scared. And I was convinced that a fish was biting my foot. <laughs> convinced. Dad, a fish is biting me, a fish is biting me. And he pulled me out and he said, No, a fish isn't biting you. And we got off the lake because, you know, you're out there in the cold and you're wet now and that's dangerous. And I was convinced that I had a fish bite for... A week after that. And it, it was, the water was just so cold that it hurt, mm-hmm. right? And that's actually why I don't really like having my kids around, or my child around people running 10-inch holes. Because you could lose a kid down there if you're not careful. Like, you step in a hole and you're going to go sideways and catch yourself, right? But if you, like, did a plank and just a kid-sized person, like, did a little hop into a 10-inch hole, they'd go through that, depending on the size of the kid. And that scares me. So... That's my first memory of ice fishing. But we went out to you and I, Miller, because I n- knew at the time that you were a uh, uh, angler and an ice fisherman. I didn't know if you were much into ice fishing. And in our Boundary Waters trip, you had told me that you'd been known to scare the fish out of entire states when you showed up to try fishing. <laughs> so, but uh, uh, I, I decided, you know, we, you were going to come out to go fishing. And my father-in-law was into it, and I knew that people had pop-ups, right? So, mm. the whole idea of ice fishing, to back up a little so, bit, wait, is... Wait, wait, wait. So, a pop-up yeah. ice house. Yeah, yeah. Think of it as, like, a tent with the stakes attached that are under tension, and you pull from, like, the, if the stakes would cross, you pull from the center... The, the poles, not the stakes. Right. The poles, where the poles cross, mm-hmm. you know... Where you you pull those out, yeah. And there's a hub in the middle that kind of keeps them out, like yeah. And it ends up being like a five. So there's four sides, so and a top. So it's like yeah. five sides. It all falls down into something you can fit in a duffel pa- duffel bag. But when yeah. you pop it out, it makes a tent. Yeah, it's they like that. And they come in different sizes. You can figure right around like six feet by six feet. Yeah. So it's like it's like in the movie uh, Congo. 
from back in the 90s when they're, I think it's in Congo, when they're everybody will get that camping reference. out in the jungle and they pull these like little discs off the truck and throw it out there and it pops up into a tent. That's like what your pop-up house does. Like it's a little thing and you just pull on it and boop, boop, boop. It unfolds yeah. out into a tent. And then you drill it down into the ice and all that stuff. That is that is one style of ice shanty. Right. And <laughs> so another one is my in-laws had friends give them one that's like a flat suitcase almost. And you open it up and then in the middle, it's like a plastic flat suitcase. That's, you know, uh, uh, three feet by five feet or something. Mm-hmm. And then you open it up and it's all of a sudden six feet by five feet. And then you... Uh, extend poles from the inside and that stands it up into a little sled with a tent on top and that that plastic case is now the bottom and it has holes in it that you can drill down through and that's weird it's just weird to me to walk out onto a frozen lake and drill a hole in it and go fishing that's weird to me (laughs) and i don't know why but it is it's I find it weird when people enjoy that type of fishing more than they do, like, fishing out of a boat. Yeah. Like, it just I seems fair, counterintuitive. I, in, in, in all, uh, full disclosure here, I am a fair weather fisherman. Yeah. I know how to fish. I have fish in the freezer. I have no problem finding fish, but I don't get, like, a lot of, like, giant fish. You know, I'm not a trophy fisherman, necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but... Fishing is kind of what I do in between hunting seasons. Well, yeah. So and I have gotten proficient at it, and I enjoy it. It's but uh, I much prefer hunting to fishing. So, but, yeah. Um, it so again, it's just one of those things though. I just like I always ice fished, so it didn't it didn't seem weird to me. But wait, yeah, when you right. like start breaking it down into things like that, you're like, God, that is weird. Right. <laughs> like that lake's frozen. Like. The first intuitive thing I would think is like, okay, I'm not going fishing until the summer then. (laughs) But people have been doing it forever. They figured it out. Mm -hmm. And the whole industry around that, when I grew grew up doing, going fishing, it was, you know, you're around in a spot and you drop a bobber, bait on a bobber, or Mm -hmm. you have a jig that you bounce, or maybe a spoon on a spinner that you troll with and that's mm-hmm. that's what you do and you try those three things and then if it doesn't work in that spot you go to another spot and try those three things <laughs> but the concept of like just all the gear i was blown away by the gear you showed up with a tent house a pop-up house a bunch of five gallon buckets which you need more than you think you do just to haul around gear. Yeah, just to haul around gear. Um, the auger itself, which, you know, we had we had hand augers, and those will work for you just mm-hmm. fine. It's just a giant drill with an ice-cutting blade on the end that looks like one of those old, like, Amish-style, like, hand drills that they use where you put your mm-hmm. hand on the top and, and spin the handle and keep it one spot, only it's like, that's what I, you- almost as tall as you are. And that's what I used when I was in college because yeah. it was like having something that's like spilling gas in like my apartment or in yeah. the back of my vehicle just doesn't work out. Right. So you need to be able to, you know, not have that happen. So I just used a hand auger. So yeah. and, and fished a smaller hole. So. Right. And then I guess it makes sense, but everything that you use to fish with is like 
just a tiny little version of the same thing that <laughs> you would use in the summer. And that was one of the first questions I had was like, why are you using a tiny little fishing rod with tiny little tackle and jigs mm-hmm. to fish for the same fish in the same spot at the same lake mm-hmm. that you would in the summer? Well, the shorter rod thing is just because... It's a space thing. It's a space thing. You're in an ice house. Yeah. Or you're fishing vertically over a hole. Yeah. You know, I don't... You don't need to cast. I don't need to cast, yeah. I don't yeah. need to be able to, you know, it's a six-foot pole, which is kind of a normal size for if you're fishing in the summer, it would be a detriment. Yeah, I mean, your house is six feet long. Right, right. So you just wouldn't, yeah, right. you wouldn't be able to use it. And generally, so, ice fishing, you're like sitting down in mm-hmm. a chair. Um, if you're watching any sort of uh, uh, help that you have as far as cameras or sonar or anything like that. And you're fishing pretty much vertically. And you're fishing, what you mean is you're not throwing it way out and then bringing it back, mm-hmm. reeling it back in, trolling. You're not moving around. Mm-hmm. Your, what you're fishing for is going to be pretty much straight below whatever yeah, your hole Your is. whole world revolves around whatever size hole you have drilled. Six, eight, ten, seven, nine, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So... I think we do eight inches. Ten inches scare me. Yeah, I feel like I'm gonna fall in a ten incher. I well, it's funny, but there is a safety aspect that needs to be addressed with ice fishing. Because the the once I get past how weird it is to just walk out on to a frozen lake, I think part of the reason why I think that's so weird and seems so unnatural is because it doesn't feel safe. Right. Like ever. Well, in. So if I spend a lot of times outdoors, and I oftentimes kind of push the limits of what a sane, rational person would do. Yeah, you have a high risk tolerance. I have a high risk tolerance for when I'm hunting and fishing, and like some probably like like the, my top five most dangerous situations I've been in, I'd say probably two of them were ice fishing specifically. <laughs> so one you was like through the ice? like I put my entire boot leg down a 10-inch hole while fishing on Lake Sakakawea. Oh. And we were fishing, like, that February. Me. That gives me the creeps to yeah. hear you say that. A super cold day. Uh, it was a cold year, so we had really good ice. So I put my foot all the way down, and it was about two feet of ice, and which is solid. You cannot move it. And my boot got hooked on the bottom of the hole oh. with my leg all the way. So you would be fully... Mm-hmm. Out of, like, everything that you need to breathe and live is out of the water. Right. But I'm starting to feel panic creeping in <laughs> myself here in this room right. when you tell me my leg's caught in two feet of ice down a hole. Right. So, my and so one panic. of my usual hunting partners, fishing partners, and the guy that I can usually count on to do whatever stupid thing I want to do that day <laughs> is my older cousin, Lance. And we this happened while we were cleaning up. So, my, shel- my shelter is no longer set up. Right. I am probably oh. I'm probably a half mile from our truck mm-hmm. and any sort of warmth and I'm thinking to get my foot out of this you gotta lose I that need boot. to I need to drop my boot, let it go to the bottom of the lake and I that boot is just now lost. And your foot's wet. And as soon as I pull my leg out of the water it's gonna freeze solid because it is the high that day was negative two. We got a problem. <laughs> so for those that might be listening in places that aren't as shockingly cold as it gets around here that's bad that's that's bad when you're wet in the cold is as bad as it gets and if you've taken your hunter safety like we have advised in previous episodes they would drive that point home very strongly but man 
I can't, I mean, that's like, mm-hmm. if that's truly the situation that you're in, mm-hmm. where you have an exposed wet foot up to the knee and yet it's two below and you have a half mile to go, you're... There's you're a chance you're going to lose that. <laughs> serious danger to your keeping your foot. Right. So, uh, our solution was like, all right, we got one shot at this because I didn't want to lose the boot. Yeah. Because well, because you get expensive boots. You get yeah, I got expensive boots, and it's also like, well, if I lose the boot, good chance, you know, things are going to go south here real fast. Yeah. So because if you keep the boot on, at least you have yeah. some prayer of keeping the wind mm-hmm. off your wet mm-hmm. foot. You have some prayer of having some insulation around it still. Right. So you can't really maneuver much on your own. So what basically ended up as my cousin. Took his coat off, real, pulled up his uh, uh, sleeve on his arm, reached down there, like finagled my boot out from unhooked on the ice, pulled it up. We quick like dried him off, got his coat, got his coat on, and then like hightailed it fast back to the truck because like even though my so everything still froze solid on the outside, my yeah. coveralls and what have you, I didn't get wet, but basically now I'm walking around what it feels like my bottom of my leg in a two by four. Yeah. So, so let me ask you a question. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was he laughing at you and giving you shit the whole time? Not until we were safe. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. like we were in a spot like no one else was out that day because it was so miserably cold, mm-hmm. and no one knew where we are. Yeah, and yeah, you do have high risk yeah, tolerance. For there's that. spotty cell service in that area, so you know, and it's, and I don't want to overdo this because like there's a lot more worse situations, but oh, yeah. like it's one simple mistake like that that can really, you know, turn things sideways in a hurry. Yeah. So I no longer have a 10 inch auger. No. I don't the 10 inch auger just a 10 inch hole all the way across because my you know I take my five year old out and he's just kind of a little tight still. Yeah. Sold that got an eight inch auger and it's just a safer situation. So. So why would someone want to run a 10 inch rather than an eight inch? Do you think you're gonna get a lunker big enough that you yeah. can't pull through an eight inch hole and you need a 10? It can a 10 inch hole. So you're always combating like your ice like your whole refreezing. Yeah. And it takes longer for a 10 inch hole to refreeze than an eight inch hole. Because when you cut your hole mm-hmm. with your auger. It's still too below outside, and that right. ice is still actively freezing. Right. So when you, you throughout your day, especially mm-hmm. if you're not sitting in a house, if you're mm-hmm. doing the sit on a bucket, right. That ice will that hole will get smaller and smaller throughout your fishing session. Right. right. I've noticed that in our permanent ice house too, mm-hmm. as we run an eight, and by the end of the season or the end of the day or the end of the weekend, sometimes mm-hmm. we're looking at like six inch holes yeah. or a four inch hole, depending right. on how cold it is. So. But, like, so right now, Lake Sakakawea, the Missouri River system in North Dakota, is a world-class northern pike fishery. That must be, yeah. We have some giants out there. Yeah. So, a couple weekends ago, I actually did go out exclusively for trophy fishing northern pike. We wanted to catch... Trophy fishing. Yeah. We Shish. wanted to catch big ones. This is the biggest fish we can get. So, we brought... My buddy has a 10-inch auger, and that's what we brought out. And there we caught a uh, northern one up being like 43 inches, 19 pounds, and you pretty much need all of that 10 inch hole to get it out of there. It'll really? be tougher to squeeze it out of that 8 inch hole. Yeah. And, and there has been, got, there's fish in there big enough, like he lost one before that they just could not. Couldn't get it out of the hole. Yeah. Because so, a 10 inch was too small. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, that's a big fish. So, and you gotta understand. It's 10 inches around, 10 inch yeah. diameter hole. Right. Not, Think of not, it as like. So, not circumference, not radius, across. diameter. From one end to the other, the right. widest point is 10 inches. Right. So if you figure this out like a pizza, 
Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good sized pizza. <laughs> yeah, and that's so, the girth of the body of this fish. Right. Well, that's when it. you're pulling a northern out of the hole in the ice, mm-hmm. you're looking at a mouthful of very, very sharp teeth. Yeah, right. northern have teeth. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, yeah, a northern pike is not something you want to do like the Bassmaster, like put your thumb <laughs> in there, grab it by the lip, and like yeah. give it a kiss because like you were going to cut your thumb to hamburger. And even so. if you reach around it, <laughs> And reach into that gill mm-hmm. flap and grab mm-hmm. that and try and pull it out. Yeah, also sharp. A fish that big, the gills are going to be sharp enough to cut you. Right. So whenever I'm doing like this, I uh, big heavy leather gloves, and that's how I handle fish. And we yeah. were hand lighting. We were just pulling it in hand over hand on what's called a tip up, which is just, yeah. you can think of it as like a plastic board that goes over the hole. There is a just a spool on a stick that spins mm-hmm. that allows it to free spool. Right, it allows that when it allows the 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 line to be given off that spool yeah, freely without any resistance. Without any resistance, and then a, so where it makes a T with that plastic plank or mm-hmm. board, whatever you call it, there on the top there's another little piece that is a T, you know, that mm-hmm. attaches per, you know perpendicular to the rod or mm-hmm. that, that has the spool on it, and there's a flag on a spring that connect that you put and it just kind of light. Just sits underneath like tension, that, that yeah. tension tee. And so when that fish starts to pull a line, it spins that rod, the flag pops up, and you, you know, know you, you have, have a fish. Bite. Yeah. It's a very simple operation. Very effective. Very effective. There's no, and you know, you can buy those things for like 10, 15 bucks. Yeah. You know, and you know, the great thing about Northern Pike, there's does not take uh, any sort of science to catch these things. They're a very aggressive fish. Yep. Um, and they're actually, you know, they get a bad rap for being something that's not very good to eat. I hear people scoffing at them in the summer. Right. Okay. Well, um, not scoffing. Me, yeah. But. I'm going to get to that. And there is, there is a bit to that. So, uh, but, um, out of cold water, you know, you catch them below the ice, you catch them late fall, early spring, right after ice out. They're actually fantastic eating. Yeah, I um, this particular fish, uh, she did have a, a deep hook. And it does happen. And if we'd have let this fish go, um, she would have died probably within 24 hours. So uh, took it home, cleaned it up, and I seriously cut four meals of fish. And, and I mean true meals for like, you know, a people. family of four. Yeah. I, I cut four meals out of this one fish. Nice. So I uh, gave one away to a friend. Um you know, immediately fresh fish. Mm-hmm. They they enjoy it, but they don't get a chance to ever go fishing. And they said it's some of the best stuff they'd ever had. So because that cold water. Yeah, because that cold water. And so I hear people say, depending on where you get them and the yeah. temperature of the water, they'll get like start to turn a little yellow and get yeah, a little mushy, a little in mushy, the orange, yellow, yeah. pink uh, to color. Especially and, yeah. like late August when it's been hot for a long time yep. in the peak of the summer. Yeah, I yeah. I'll turn them back during that time just because I don't feel that they're very good eating. Yeah. So. But yeah, out of cold water, uh, a good piece of northern pike is wonderful. They're super easy to catch. Um, you go to like a lot of lakes in North Dakota, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. They're super abundant. Usually not in that size, but there's been yeah. a lot of bucket biology yeah. in the area with yeah. northern pike fisheries. That... But that three to five pound range, you're out there with a bag of smelt, and you can be chasing those flags all day, every day. 
Um, yeah. And it's it's a lot of fun. It gets kids out there. It's very active fishing. You don't get bored, mm-hmm. or and you don't have to pay a whole lot of attention. So if you, you're not sitting there tending your one hole, right? So you set up, you know, however many of those are allowed. In Minnesota, mm-hmm. it's two. In North Dakota, it's four. And you can be doing something else. You can be building a snowman with your kid, or you standing know. around a grill <laughs> shooting the breeze with the neighbors. Right. So uh, it's a great. Great way, inexpensive way to start fishing. Yeah. And when you say hand lining, what you mean is, so this tip up covers the hole, it's got a flag, it's rigged in such a way that when the fish takes the bait underneath, it pulls that free line spool mm-hmm. and pops that flag up. Right. So then you go over, run over to the hole, mm-hmm. and you gently pull it up and let the fish, like you do typically before you set a hook, you let the fish take it for a while. And then you grab that fishing line that comes off the bottom of that spool, and you there's no rod action, there's nothing. You just mm-hmm. jerk it with your hand to set the hook, pull it right. with the hand, and then hand over hand reel that line in. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's called hand lining. Yep. And you can do the same with, I mean, we did the same with a rattle reel in mm-hmm. our um, permanent house. Yep. So, mm-hmm. so... And you were so you were fishing tip-ups then, mm-hmm. which is an out-in-the-open kind of thing for the most part. Yep. You're not going to sit in a in a pop-up or a permanent house mm-hmm. and fish a tip-up unless you're watching it out the window. And that's what we did because we had our boys with. Okay. And, you know, we set up the ice house for them to stay warm, you know, yeah. hang out in. And then we had these tip-ups set up. We just kind of made a, a row of depth, you know, yeah. that we fished some up shallow, some deeper, you know, just wanted right. to, you know, because at this time of year, the, the big northerns, they're coming in, they're staging for spawning. Yeah. And they do it in the shallows, in the bays. So that's we just kind of did from deep to shallow. So yeah, when we go out and we have a pop up, mm-hmm. if it's cold outside or windy or anything, mm-hmm. or anything like that, we attach bells to the tip ups yep. flags mm-hmm. so that you can be inside. And then yeah. when the flag goes, you'll still hear the bell ringing and you can run out. Yep. Yeah, just have a little bell that clamps onto that yeah. onto that flag, and when that flag goes up, you only get like two seconds of noise, but it's enough. You know, you're gonna pick up on yeah. it. Yeah. So. And there are many different types of pop-up houses, some right. with windows, mm-hmm. some that are just solid tents. Most will have a window of some kind. Mm-hmm. So when the DNR man comes and rattles your pole, you can see who it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so so there's that. So there's pop-ups, pop-up houses, where you basically vertically fish and you tend your hole. Mm-hmm. There's tip-ups, which you can do generally outside or... You know, most states that I know of, you can fish more than one ice fishing hole. Mm-hmm. So you can have your hole you're tending and then a tip up in another spot that you want to try and get right. um, a fish in. And the general strategy with that when you say you did a depth line mm-hmm. is you... One thing I love for fishing that I've found is the Navionics app mm-hmm. on your smartphone. And it's uh, it has emergent vegetation, underwater depth of lakes in the whole country, I think. And you can drop waypoints. It'll map your, you can map out your, uh, your like boat trolling lines and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. And it keeps it specific to you. But so what, so, what Tony is getting at there is I yeah. try to relate to, and fi- that's because fish do is relate to structure underneath the water. Yeah. A weed bed, a rock pile, uh, changing yeah. depths. You know, if you have a, a steep drop off, 
Um, you know, their predatory fish like to hang on those drop-offs, and they're waiting for smaller fish to basically pass yeah. over them. You know, they shoot up in the bottom and grab them. Weed so, beds are emergent vegetation because yeah. the water's going to be more oxygen-rich over there. You know, there's, you know, because they, they tend, you know, the, the bait fish food basically relates to these structures, and thus, the you know, the fish that eat them, the fish that we want to catch, you know, relate to the bait fish, and so that's where yeah. you find them. So. so I use that, and when you say you do a depth line, is you find some of this or where you think there's a good place mm-hmm. to fish based on whatever you think mm-hmm. you use. That's what I like to use and find that structure. And then you take your ice auger, and in a line across that structure, you pop a hole, maybe maybe you pop a lot of holes. Mm-hmm. I've drilled tons of holes in a day before, and do it in a line, a lot of times in an arc that's you know several paces away from each other. And then you can pattern out where your fish are. And that's how you kind of strategize around basically fishing an 8-inch vertical cylinder underneath exactly where you're standing Mm -hmm. in ice fishing. And so if you're going to put a house out, I know people that like to, what they do, what they call run and gun, Mm -hmm. where they get a four-wheeler, a snowmobiler, throw the auger on it, uh, bring minimal amounts of supplies, like maybe a sonar flasher, so they can see what's going on down there, maybe a camera which is some of the gear that I was like, what? It blew my mind, the amount of specific gear that's available for fishing these days. Yeah, you can take it as far as you want. This yeah. is kind of the beginner, beginner right. lesson. So. <laughs> but running and gunning is where you go out through the day and find all these places that you think you want to hit and just pop holes all day until you find good spots and right. do that. And I know guys that like to do that too. Mm-hmm. And that's a good way to find a spot to put your house. Right. Yeah. And so the methodology that if you're running a pop-up house, we've kind of landed on, and a lot of people I know do, is you get out there, you pop a bunch of holes, maybe you drop some of your optics down the hole and see what you think down there, maybe you fish a couple of them, in that way you come to find out a good productive spot that's been productive for a while, then you pop up your house over that. Mm-hmm. Or based on knowledge and experience, you find a place that you think is going to be productive and pop up your house and give it a shot for a while. Mm-hmm. A lot of people bring a little heater into their house yep. and that helps a lot i mean it's i'd consider it to be pretty much mandatory if you're going to be out there bring a heater right. with you because it's going to be you're going to get cold mm-hmm. um but then there's the permanent houses mm-hmm. and that is where you people are start getting into spending big money on ice fishing right because there are all sorts of there's houses that come on skids mm-hmm. which is what we have that are like little sleds that or little skis that you can pull across the ice over the snow. Um, there are houses that are called wheelhouses that, or that's what we call them, mm-hmm. wheelhouses, where it's like a trailer with a, with a shack on top of it, and a lot of them have crouching mechanisms where you crank the wheels down so the ice house lands right on the ice and it sits on there. Right. And it's like a mini cabin in there. It's like a tiny house. I know a guy who's got a generator that runs satellite tv he's got four bunks he's got a kitchen he's got a shitter in there he's got everything some of these are taken to such a ridiculous extreme like there's ones that they need to be pulled they're so big they get pulled by a fifth wheel yeah and people (laughs) legit live in them yeah Mm -hmm. there are places in lakes in minnesota Mm -hmm. where they set up every year they have places they make streets 
they have a street grid with names so you can have a pizza delivered to your ice house from in town. <laughs> Which <laughs> And you is can awesome. give them an address. <laughs> and they know where to go. Which is about amazing. I mean, I've had pizza delivered to me while shore fishing. Yeah. But <laughs> to have it delivered on the ice, yeah. that would be... that'd be. So I, I might have to do that just for the novelty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we could do that out by our house. So <laughs> And that's what we have is a, a permanent house now. And because we kind of didn't know what we were doing and maybe struggled a little bit with our pop-up to get our method down on that. And I have no problem with that. And I like to, I, I would have no problem sitting on a bucket, mm. but I'm not going to say that a permanent house isn't pretty nice. Right. Well, it's, and you know, this is kind of an overlying theme with, you know, our, everything we're talking about here. I mean, you, you can go as simple or as fancy as you want on yeah. hunting and fishing. And you can be yeah. successful being be, not fancy. Oh yeah, I I caught a lot of fish over a lot of years, without ever having any sort of sonar yeah. or anything. You know, it's, it's just, so cool though. It, it 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 makes it way easier. I'm not gonna lie, but if you know, you know, you know, kind of how the structure of a lake works. You know, if you're willing to move around a little bit, finding active fish. Um, you know, as, even using as, a little GPS yeah. application app on your phone yeah, can help you so you know, much. I caught a lot of fish on a stick and a bobber, you know, with, mm-hmm. you know, without ever having any sort of reel or anything electronic on the ice and, you know, just sit on a bucket and freezing my ass off, you know? Yeah. So, uh, those electronics, mm-hmm. like, I mean, guys that are really good mm-hmm. and you can do this and I'm getting there at the point at, to this point, but you can throw a jig with a little weight on it mm-hmm. and drop it down a hole. That you can't see down, and from the way it hits the ground, you can tell if that's mucky or rocky. Yeah. Or if there's a little bit, or if there's a grade to the bottom. Yeah. It'll, yeah. And they'll take you a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it, where things are getting really uh, interesting is like I was ice fishing uh, Oahe, this Lake Oahe, Lake Oahe, Oahe which is Gulf. south of Bismarck here, and it's the same Missouri River system. And uh, there's current down there underneath the ice. Say, how weird is that to be on? Like ice fishing a river where there's current under there. It is really, it's really weird because like even with a heavy lure, I drop it down and like you can see where it's like getting washed out. So I'm no longer fishing that eight inch below me. Like it's going off to the side. (laughs) I would would be very disconcerted by that because I mean, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't discuss like in the spring or in the fall when the ice starts to. Mm to freeze i know people that'll go out on four inches five inches four inches is about my minimum limit i have a very low risk tolerance when yeah. it comes to this i, I know people I, that'll spear on three inches my, my general rule is i am never the first person on the ice right and i'm never the last person on the ice yeah, and that, and whatever level that is, whether it's walking level ice or if yeah. it's driving my truck on level That's ice, a good rule of thumb. I'm never the first person to do it. I yeah. generally speaking follow tracks where somebody else went, mm-hmm. and until and they stop, and yeah. you can't see where they went. Yeah, and I'm never the last person. <laughs> right. You know, so there's definitely, you know, an, an extra layer of caution and awareness that you need to have when you're going ice fishing because i've heard people say no matter what no matter where you are you can never say that 
a lake or a body of water is 100% safe to be on the ice on. <coughs> because of things like underwater springs that maybe bring warmer water out of a different mm-hmm. area that could cause thin spots. Mm-hmm. If the wind is blowing when the ice is forming, it could cause ripples of thin spots in the ice. Pressure it, ridges. Pressure, pressure ridges. ridges. When it freezes, ice expands. And that's another thing that freaks me out is this, uh, or has freaked me out about this in the past, <laughs> is this fall I was sitting in our ice house by myself, maybe drinking a beer, maybe drinking too many beers. A little ice drinking. Yeah, that's a tried and true pastime, sitting in the ice house. But I was sitting there and intermittently it's going boom, pop, <laughs> boom. Like not every time, not that often, but it's happening. And it's, what it's doing is it's making ice. Mm-hmm. And the ice is expanding on top and causing pressure on itself that has to give somehow. But it's disconcerting when you know you're sitting over 30 feet of water that you're is very frozen, <laughs> too cold for you to survive for sure, and mm-hmm. it's popping and you can feel it vibrating you underneath <laughs> you. <laughs> Freaks me out, man. Yeah. I don't know how people sleep in their ice houses on yeah, the that. Thing, the funny part is like when it gets to like those lower levels, like only like four inches of ice, five mm-hmm. inches, you can still feel the wave action. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can you can see the splits happen if it's clear enough ice. Yeah, that that freaks me out because yeah. one of our neighbors went through the ice this right. year. You know, and your game of fish, you know, they put out guidelines. Yeah. You know, two inches is enough for one man, one man single file to be walking on. Four in, like six inches is enough for an ATV. Twelve inches mm-hmm. for a car. You right. know, like sixteen for a full size pickup. Our general rule of thumb. And is... those are general. Yeah, because like. And honestly, it can make a difference. You pop a hole here, you'll have a good foot of ice. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll move 10 feet, 2 inches of ice. Yeah. So it's a really good idea to have, like, a heavy bar to be pounding on ice in front of you as you're walking out, especially in the beginning of the year. Or yeah, like drill nice holes as you go, chisel. you know, yeah. and trying to set yourself an ice gradient yeah. so you know what that ice is, if it's nice and consistent all the way across. Um, you know, good, clear ice that you can see through, even though it may mm-hmm. look scarier yeah that's actually better ice stronger stronger ice than stuff that's like cloudy and what have you so whether it's been snowed on or like the wind was blowing that'll contribute (laughs) to the lower integrity of the structure Mm -hmm. of your ice so heard that early ice is safer than later ice yep yep just because it hasn't been weathered you know it's (laughs) (laughs) the thing about it is the best fishing of the year is when it just starts getting iced over Yep. And when it's thawing a bunch, like it is right now, and the ice gets what you call rotten, yep. because it's been thawed and frozen during the day, and thawed during the day, and frozen during the night, and thawed during the day, and frozen during the night, and it's losing inconsistently <laughs> in different places, but that's when the best fishing's going to yep. be. My, my cousin has a rule, like, the best fishing is when the ice is the sketchiest. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. He has done some things that, he like, even I won't accept as far as risk goes, of like... Yeah. Of, like, especially spring fishing, like, so ice erodes from the shore, basically. Yeah. So, like, you'll walk out in the morning, and you'll be fine. You have ice all the way to the shore. You come, you know, get to the end of the day, and you walk back, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden there is 100 yards of water in between in between you and shore. Yeah. And you have got <laughs> no way to get back. I know people that'll step over the, <laughs> the water on the shore in the morning going out. Yeah. And I won't do that. This year was actually one of the latest years I have ice fished. I've called it now. It's now April 21st, but I was out last weekend, and that's the latest I've ever ice fished. At our lake, there was still... 
The 30 inches ice. When we measured it. A couple it, of weeks ago. When we measured it, that was 38 inches of good solid ice. But the shoreline was. was last weekend. It's because like three days before that, we were still adding ice. Yeah. This was a strange year where we had, you know, single digit temperatures in April. So. Yeah. And now it, it it's coming off so fast. Like. It, it's just crazy. Yeah, because so it's, it's, it's 60 it, degrees all outside. All of a sudden, it's gorgeous out. So, yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to getting the boat. <laughs> yeah. So. And I promised I would tell some mm-hmm. stories about me doing <laughs> dumb stuff, so I got one here. Uh, we were, when we were out ice fishing this last, uh, this last New Year's, we had yeah. you and your family out, and, uh, we had our boys in the ice house, and I'm sorry, this is a devastating story for you, but I'm going to tell it anyway. I'm still recovering. Uh, we had our boys out in the ice house, and we have muskies in our lake, which are big fish. Big fish. Trophy fish, they say. Rare fish. Rare fish. Can, you know, the, fish of a thousand casts. Yeah, fish of a thousand casts. Takes a thousand casts when you're doing fishing specifically for it before you get a bite. Mm-hmm. And we were out there, uh, and... In the corners of our ice house, we have what are called rattle reels, and it's a spool that hangs over the hole with beads in it, and it works like a tip-up kind of. Only it's in the house, and when the fish pulls on the on the bait, it rattles when it unspools, so you hear it. And I had my boy on a rattle reel, and you were had your boy on a rattle reel on the opposite corner, and you and I were each jigging the X corners from that, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it was fairly unsuccessful, middle of the day, not a super productive time to go fishing. And Miller was jigging his hole, and all of a sudden he sets the, sets the line. And I was like, you got some action over there? And he said, yeah. And you're reeling it in, oh, yeah. paying attention. Fish. And you're like, yeah, big fish. And I was like, oh, yeah, what is it? And you're like, I don't know, it feels like a big northern. Kind of in the middle of something. <laughs> I said, okay, well, I guess I'll just F myself and sit over here. <laughs> and uh, me and my boy were sitting over there, and I was, like, pretty excited about what was going on with you. And all of a sudden, my boy goes, Dad, 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 my bobber went down. And I was like, well, when it rains, it pours. And I remember thinking, I remember going, Miller knows what he's doing. He's a good fisherman. He doesn't need me to stand over his shoulder and make sure that, you know, I'm giving him moral support to reel in this fish. <laughs> so, and I didn't want to, my kid was excited, so I didn't want to leave whatever he had. And I wanted to reel that thing in. Because we were finally getting some action. So I grabbed it to handline it, and I pulled to set the hook, and I was handlining it in. And meanwhile, you were fighting on your corner, opposite of me, and up in our 8-inch hole, like, the, it filled the hole, and the only thing I saw was, like, the eye and the corner of a jaw. And I was like, that's a big-ass fish, Miller. And you're, like, kind of in the middle of something. <laughs> And the body went by, and I could see by the patterning. I'm about probably eight, nine minutes into this fight. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I could, I, I'm fighting. A, this is a long fight for ice fishing. And I could see the patterning as it went by the hole that it was a muskie. And I was like, dude, that's a big-ass muskie. And it, it happened fast. Because when you have a muskie, you should, when you see it, get the mouth in the hole, reach your hand in there and gill it and pull it out. You're going to get cut. But that's the best way to get a muskie out of an 8-inch hole that I know of. Mm-hmm. But I saw the eye... And it happened fast. It was like eye, jaw, body gone. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have enough time to dive down and grab it because my kid was there and I didn't want to like throw a flying elbow and get him out of the way to get at this muskie. So uh, it went by and you're like, yeah, I got something big too. And I was kind of holding on to it, trying to keep it close, but give it line. And all of a sudden both of our lines 
went slack. And Miller just, I was like, what, what, what? And I saw you just drop your reel and rod and put your hands in your head in your hands and just sink down into your chair. <laughs> inconsolable. Just inconsolable. And I was like, did you lose yours too? Because I wasn't thinking at the time that, of course, this big old muskie took your, took lure, took your bait. And, and then as you were reeling it in, just went around the buffet there and grabbed the other lure, and we hooked the same fish. Or as you were fighting it, it went and got hooked on mine. He got line. wrapped around your line. He got wrapped around, line. yeah. <laughs> and I didn't think of that because I didn't think of that because I'm not a super experienced fisherman. And you were like, I just, I just, I never caught a muskie before. And I was like, well, you're not going to catch one with your reel on the ground, your head in your hands, bait up and drop that thing down there. He's still down there, man. Come on. Uh, and you're like, I just, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I, just, I just, I didn't even, I need I a minute. I can't. So after that, <laughs> and our neighbor, uh, he has caught like five muskies in the last year out of that lake because he fishes 300 days a year. Mm-hmm. And so I went to tell him the story. And I'm sitting over at his, uh, at his ice house, which we parked right next to each other. He has a castle. Mm-hmm. And I left my license... I didn't have my license on me. I left it in... No, this is later. We were having dinner later, and I went to warm up the house, and I went to tell Brian the story anyway, and I didn't have my license with me. And we were sitting there and talking about it, shooting the breeze, and it was a 30 below wind chill weekend, and there's a... on the door. And we were shooting the shit. I hadn't planned on fishing. Drinking a beer. And he opens the door, and our friendly neighborhood DNR man was standing out there. And, you know, all, all three of us in the house looked around, did a quick count of how many lines were down. Because <laughs> there's three guys, two apiece, Minnesota, six lines. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't fishing. Mm-hmm. And, again, I'm not very super uh, seasoned in this aspect. So he came in, and they were talking, and, hey, do you guys have your licenses? And uh, he's like, how many people are fishing? And Brian's like, three of us. And not even thinking, I was like, I'm just hanging out. I was just warming up my house. <laughs> and he looked around he's like how many lines do you got down and neighbor goes four he looked around and he didn't look too hard he just kind of gave a glance around he said okay you guys got your licenses and they he's like well not on me but I'll give you my name and you should have your license on you mm-hmm. but in Minnesota depending on your DNR man I don't know if this guy should have done this or not but he said well just give me your name and I'll look online to see if you have your license mm-hmm. and the guy says and I was like, oh, if you can do that, yeah, I'm fishing then. <laughs> like, I've got my, I've got my license. I just, not, I'm not doing it. But if you want to check on me, I'm licensed. And the guy was like, no, it's fine. And left. And I went inside and told you that story. And as soon as I said, no, I left, my, I'm not doing anything. You're like, congratulations. You just threw everybody in that house under the bus. <laughs> and I had, didn't even think about it. So. Lessons learned two here. Two lessons. <laughs> If you're fishing real close to a guy and he's got a big something he's fighting on the line and you feel something on your line too, just let it go. Right. The best thing to do, reel your line up if while he's fishing something. a big fish because there's yeah. a good chance in a tight ice house they're going to get mixed up. Or on two sides of a boat or right. the front and back or bow and stern of a right. boat, whatever. Usually and not necessary for a smaller fish, but if the guy's got a big fish, just reel him up. Reel it up. Second lesson. 
if you're in a party of people and anyone is out fishing and anyone that's in in uh, a position of authority asks, even if you're not, if you're a licensed fisherman, you're fishing. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Doesn't matter. If you have a license, you're fishing. And that's it. So that's what we got for ice fishing. Trying to... Yeah. <laughs> so we got for ice fishing. I know it's a lot of information. We'll take care of it uh, and talk more so, about this a lot, I'm sure. But as always, make sure to educate yourself, uh, do your research. And uh, like I clearly did in, in these situations, um, do your research. Uh, find yourself a mentor, people you can trust. Engage your state game and fish agencies, um, backcountry hunters and anglers, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Ducks Unlimited, Fezzes Forever. <laughs> Uh, what's the other one? Wild Turkey Federation. Many, many and more. Federal, uh, federal resources to have new hunter programs. Educate yourself. Find someone to help you get started, and uh, uh, sharpen your teeth and dig deep. Cubicles and little flaming pies